Come on, church. I know I say this before, but uh, you guys made it. You're at church this morning. That's good. If you have kids, you know how that's a, that's a, that's a big feat. You know, getting them all ready, getting them here. For those who are online, welcome to church. We're so excited to have you here at church this morning. I'm really excited and honored to share with you again uh, this morning, uh, specifically on this series that we're doing called Return. Now, uh, Pastor Doug opened up the series for us, and um, it was phenomenal, laid out kind of the track for where we're going in the next couple of weeks. Uh, Pastor Tasha, I mean, if you could kill, us, kill a message, she did it. <clears throat> that's a good thing when you kill a message, that's a good thing. <laughs> Uh, you're like, what? But uh, yeah, she killed it. It was phenomenal. If you, I, I encourage you to take a look at those. Uh, watch those. They're on the uh, Facebook page and YouTube, uh, things like that. Uh, we are, I'm just so excited. Come on, church. Are you ready for what God might have ready for you in your heart? I think about preparation when I think about church. I think almost kind of like getting a flower box ready and you got to toil, like kind of turn over that soil and, and get it ready, get water ready. And that's what we've done in worship. Worship was intense this morning. I felt like it kind of like threw us into God's presence. And I'm excited for what we're going to be talking about today. Uh, today we're going to be really focusing and microscopically kind of going deeper into the book of Hosea. That's 13 chapters in 20 minutes. So we're going to knock it out. All right. No, we're going to kind of uh, share it in a kind of a brief overview, kind of a, a wide brush of it. We're going to dive into it, understand the character, not just of Hosea, but his wife Gomer and God's plan for the nation of Israel. I think there's a lot of parallels in what's happening in the book of Hosea, specifically with what's happening today, individually in our lives, as well as for us as a nation. You know, we're going to dive in, but before we do that, Hosea was a poetry book in the Bible. There's law and there's you know, uh, worship, and there's poetry. And uh, Hosea was a prophet of God. He was a prophet at a time where it was pretty intense, but uh, it was very much seen as kind of a love story. Now, it has its tragedies and its complexities and its intensities uh, and its sadness at times, like any good love story, but it's a love story. How many of you love a good love story? It's like three people raised their hands. You're all liars. You're all liars. All right. Who's, where's our Hallmark people? Hallmark people. You know you pay $24.95 and then you know, get rid of it after two months because you binge watch all of them. Come on. You know that's you. Um, Lifetime. Lifetime. Was that like five guys just said, yeah. Single ladies. This section after church, okay? All right. So, yeah. So, the Lifetime, awesome. Come on. Uh, Disney. Disney fans, <laughs> you were like the first, yeah, woo, love those princesses. All right, so come on, those are, those are some good stuff. You know, um, you know how about, <clears throat> how about uh, you know, the Star Wars, Star Wars saga, the whole Star Wars canon. See, this is where, this is where it kind of goes sideways a little bit, because a lot of you are like, Star Wars is not a love story. Oh, yes, it is. It is the ultimate space opera. You don't put opera after something and it not be tragic, romantic, you know, this whole thing, love story going on together. Think about it. Think about it. If it was a World War II opera, 
you'd be like, there's probably some romance going on in there. If it was like anything else, a cowboy opera, you would be like, there's something. This is a space opera. You have Han Solo and Leia. I love you. And he says, I know. I know. <laughs> Woo! I'm feeling the love. You know, you cry in every episode. Maybe not episode one because of Jar Jar Binks. But you know what I'm saying. The first, the other ones, you're crying in it. You're saying, but wait, it's about Darth Vader, and it's about Luke, a father reuniting with his son, always wanting to be, have a family because he didn't have one. Oh, my gosh. Phew. That's love. That's love. We love it. Princeton University and uh, Harvard scholars that have to do with storytelling and, and studying what makes stories and communications so powerful came out with a study that literally says that everyone, human beings, love a good love story. It might be told in a genre that you are actually able to digest that's more palatable to you, but in reality, everyone loves a love story because it's the difference between, it's the difference between an animal, they said, and a human being. Because it has a couple of different elements in it. It's no coincidence that during a time that of great power and uh, great wealth and great notoriety around the world, that Israel is used to share a story of God's love. One of the greatest love stories is foreshadowed right in the middle of the book of Hosea. You could turn to Hosea with me. It's uh, right after Daniel. If you go too quick, you'll miss it. But Hosea, chapter 3, is known as one of the most famous parts of Hosea because something unusual happens. God begins to speak to Hosea the prophet. Kind of paint a little picture here, a little, a little understanding. Oh, i got to put on my little uh, thing so you can follow along here with me. Little, uh, little understanding of what happens in Hosea. Hosea chapter 3, verse 1 says this. The Lord said to Hosea, go show your love to your wife again. Though she is loved by another and is an adulteress, love her as the Lord loves the Israelites. Though they turn to other gods and love the sacred raisin cakes. Sacred raisin cakes, by the way, um, wasn't just put in there randomly. They're actually a token of what they would give to uh, Baal when you worship Baal for be able to have children and also to be able to increase your intimacy with someone else. You would offer that. So it's an idol worship sacrifice. And he says, even though they love their sacred raisin cakes or the way they like to do things that are not godly, so I brought her for 15 shekels of silver and about a homer and a, uh, a, lef- a lekel of barley. Then I told her, you are to live with me many days. You must not be a prostitute any longer or be intimate with any man. And I will live with you. You know, something that's really interesting is a lot of people think that uh, the love stories that we see actually influences us to actually want to... Um, 
you know, desire love and have relationships and all those different things. Don't watch too much Lifetime because you'll get ideas on how relationships, you know, you know how many haunted ha- houses and places up in, you know, uh, New Hampshire are we going to find people, you know? Like there's all these same storylines. But the reality is there's another factor, and that's the God factor. That God in the beginning of time has created us with this desire to really have empathy and compassion and trust. And so we search for things to try to fill that void where we can connect on a compassion, empathy, and trust point of view. And so we search that out, and when we relate and see it in stories, it triggers something inside of us because it's kingdom DNA. God instilled it into us. Actually, those researchers say those three things, empathy, compassion, and trust, is actually what great stories are all about. And I believe those things come from God. He's put that inside of us where we're like, you know what I mean? I, re- I really want to be able to trust someone and have them trust me. I really want to be able to w- feel like I'm walking in somebody else's shoes and have empathy for them and feel, you know, for them when they're hurting or the compassion to reach out and, and care for someone or, or, or help rescue someone or, or deal with the situation. And so I want to kind of paint this story a little bit and give you a little bit of cultural context. I wanted to paint the story of what was going on. Under the reign of King Jeroboam II, the kingdom had proposed, had prospered materially, but decayed spiritually. They had everything. They had everything at that moment. They had everything that was promised to them. Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, the coming out of the wilderness and trusting God to a new location. They had this kingdom and they had this wealth and they had power and notoriety. Not much different than the country we're living in right now. Where we have this idea that we're kind of like, you know what, we have everything. Or the feeling like we had 10 months ago. Everything is going great. Things are moving forward. And I'm not talking about politics and I'm not talking about leadership. I'm talking about the idea of feeling like we're moving forward and we've got, we got some good things under our belt. And Israel felt the same way. However, the Assyrians came in and divided the country into two fractions, north and south. And Hosea became the prophet of God, the mouthpiece in speaking to the nation to say, this is what I believe God is telling us that we need to do. Don't move too over here to the right because you're going to move away from God. Don't move over here to the left. Or you're, going to, you're, going to, you're going to be fighting with God. Stay on track. Remember what our forefathers said. Remember what got us out of Egypt. Remember the sacrifice of Joseph. Remember what Moses taught us. And those are what the prophets would do. They would keep us on track. However, the people became greedy and adopted the moral behavior of the idols and the religion of the surrounding Canaanites. Very interesting, I want to explain this really quick, that the kingdom, to understand what, um, to understand what God means by knowing him, it says the Israelites knew God, we have to dive in a little bit to the word yada. I don't know if any science, Seinfeld fans, yada, yada, yada. It means I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. Yada, 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 yada. 
right? The yada, which means to know him personally. The difference when used in the word where God says, I know Israel and Israel knows me. It's not an acquaintance. It's not just like, hey, we met in the store. I know that guy. He looks familiar. Or I know, I know, I know, I know. It means to know him personally. And to understand the personally, to go even deeper, is the personally is actually comes from the word marriage. To be married to God. To have a covenant relationship with God. And so that covenant marriage relationship, right, is this umbrella that certain things fall underneath that marriage relationship. And that is you're together. You have compassion for each other. You have trust for each other. You have empathy for each other. The greatest elements of a love story are included in the knowing of God, the yada of God. I know him. He knows me. We are in a, in a relationship together. We're not just friends. We're not just acquaintances. I know God and he knows me. So for God to say, I know Israel and Israel knows me. But Israel is focusing on other gods and doing other things. What God is telling Hosea is that Israel has found another lover. Let that just sit for a second. Like I told you, in a love story, it starts with tragedy. It starts with pain. It starts with brokenness. God has to say to a prophet, my lover has left me. My relationship is broken. And for Hosea to fully understand the depths of it, God asks Hosea, like we read in chapter 3, to begin to live out physically what God was feeling spiritually. Because it's so counter God and the kingdom to ask him to marry someone who has already been shamed and already going to be selling herself off to other men and having other relationships and not holding to the marriage covenant. But God has a greater plan. He says, you have to do it, Hosea. You've got to go marry Gomer. She's not going to be faithful to you. They had two children, 25 years of marriage up to, the, you know, up to the point we're going to get here. This is a process of 25 years. And she's not faithful to him. In reality, Israel began to create a recipe for something really intense. Israel created a recipe from, uh, for an affair from God. So there's six E's that a lot of people believe that are a process, a roadmap to have an affair in your relationship with God. I want to walk through them with you. Eliminate is the first E. Eliminate. Israel would have to eliminate their in intimacy with God. God shares through the chapters of Hosea, he begins to say that they worship at the locations that they're supposed to worship, but their heart is not in it. They show up to places and they raise their hands, but they're really not present. There's no intimate relationship there. 
They're just going through the motions. Israel began to eliminate their personal intimacy with God, which began to lead to an encounter. It left them empty and wanting more. So they began to look for encounters that would fill the compassion, the empathy, the excitement, all these things. So they began to look for encounters, which means that they were isolating themselves from God. A little quick example, islands are great to go on vacation for, but nobody wants to live on one, right? We love it. I'm like, I can't wait to go to island, remote island Fiji. There's just a house in the middle of water. I don't know how you do grocery shopping, but whatever. Catch a fish. I don't know. But it would be awesome, right? But I wouldn't live there. I mean, we've all been quarantined. How many more times? I mean, I've, I have lines in my carpet from just doing this all day. <laughs> At least I don't have to wear a mask. Oh. <laughs> I'm telling you. I bought five pairs of sweatpants in two weeks because I'm like, no one's going to see me. Crazy. So we know isolation is rough and things begin to happen in isolation, but that's what Israel started to do. They started to encounter, what's, over, what's on the other side of that fence? Or I, I know I have good stuff here, but maybe over here is, there's some good stuff over here. I'll grab this stuff. Isolation. Next one, they began to enjoy their experience. They begin to see it and they see it as an enjoyment. It becomes excitement. You know, they, they irresistible and fake relationship. See, they begin to have a relationship with something that's not real. Why? Because it's not built on trust. It's not built on compassion. It's not built on empathy. It's not built on true relationship. And so, but they're having it and they love it. It's the enjoyment. It's the thrill. All of a sudden they're getting all excited about it. Then they expedite. Expedite opportunities to be with what you're enjoying. So they expedite it. So they begin to say, you know, we're going to introduce kind of this stuff into our lives. We're going to start eating the raisin cakes. I, mean, I know it's Bale's thing, but you know what I mean? Like, that's how you grow. That's how you have a relationship. You got to give and take a little bit, you know, have it. While God is standing in the corner, watching them going further and further away in their relationship. Then they begin to express they begin to express things. It builds up in them. They have to say it. They have to begin to say, you know what? I think I like Baal. I think I like these other gods. You know what I mean? Because other gods, they don't punish me. The other gods, they don't tell me all these rules and how I'm supposed to live. They're very, you know, allow everything to happen, allow everything to come in. And there's, no, you know, everything is good. So, you know what I mean? I love it. Do you know what that's called when you're expressing things like that? We did it about 10 minutes ago. It's called worship. Worship is worth-ship, meaning that you put your worth towards it. Everything that you find, it, it has worth and value. You start expressing, that has value to me. That has worth to me. That has everything that I want. And you start expressing it outwardly. And our words and our, our things that we say begin to have power. And it begins to solidify a relationship. It's like cement. That's why I had to literally say to my wife, Tiffany, will you marry me and not just do this right that's why it's good to look at our kids and be able to say hey buddy dad loves you because our words have power and they have depth and our worship does the same thing 
and then they experience. All that remains is to experience the consummation of that enjoyment, that expression, and that emotional bond by giving your heart, soul, and mind over to it. Now you're in. That slope looked like it was a gradual hill, but it was a cliff, and they jumped right through. And they ended up expressing and experiencing it. They were so in it, they didn't even know they were in it. They were so in it that they didn't even see any difference. They're like, we never changed. We never changed. We love God. We still go to the temple. We still raise our hands. But I got a little honey on the side. Because, you know, like, but he doesn't care because God is all loving and he cares and we have a relationship and it's all cool. I still love him. But I love these things too. So God begins to ask Hosea, enters in Hosea. So if you need to write these things down, it's encounter, enjoy, expedite, express, experience. So God begins to ask, enter Hosea, and he begins to ask Hosea, I need to go do something. I need to go marry this woman. She's not going to be faithful to you. Right off the bat. Can you imagine that hit? I just wanted to let you know. She's not going to love you. But you got to marry her. Eventually, he marries her, brings her into his house. They have two children. Then somewhere between chapters 5 and 7, she goes missing for a couple years. And Hosea is still hearing from the Lord and trying to tell Israel, turn back to God, turn back to God. God is trying to use Hosea to be an illustration of a husband, one who gathers and protects, and a provider. But the spouse is not home. The spouse hasn't returned back to the house in quite a long time. So God asks Hosea to go out and find his wife. Let me paint this picture for you a little bit. Hosea goes out and begins to knock on the first door. Sweaty hands, hoping nobody sees him. He probably says something like, oh God, I hope she's here so I don't have to go to the next house. <sighs> Door opens, man comes out. Hey, um, they know who he is. He's the prophet of the nation. Um, is my wife in there? No, she isn't. But I saw her about five houses down two weeks ago. Okay. Walks to the next house. Walks to the next house. Walks through the city in search for his wife. This brings public disgrace, embarrassment to Hosea. But what happens next is so different than the way we would handle things to the way God handles things. After a couple years, he finds out that they're selling women on an auction block in the middle of the city. They're lining them up as slaves. And Hosea believes that he'd see Gomer there. 
So the crowd gathers around and they begin to auction off women. Horrible, deplorable, disgusting. It's awful. And prices are going high and bidding wars are happening. They're treating them like cattle or, or, or vehicles or whatever it is. And the women are standing there. They're broken. They're alone. They're by themselves. They've been used. And the crowd is laughing. They say they get to Gomer. And the price on her was so low. Because nobody wanted something that they already used. And through that crowd, and through that whole group of people laughing and cheering and, and buying people, as awful and sinful as that is, I believe Gomer heard something. That was a little different than what she had heard before. She began to see something be pulled and someone grabbing something and making their way through the crowd. You see, Hosea showed up with 15 shekels of silver and they say about 10 bushels of barley. Barley at the time, barley at the time with anointing oil would be used for a good sacrifice, an act of worship. But dry barley was used in Leviticus if there was a broken covenant relationship in marriage, you would bring a sacrifice of barley to repair that marriage. And here comes Hosea dragging barley through the city, not just looking for his wife, but saying, I'm ready to pay for her, no matter what the cost. Others don't see value in her. Others don't see like she's worth anything. Others might say, hey man, that's not a good deal. He doesn't care because he's looking not for, you know, enjoyment. He's not looking to expedite a relationship that's not real. He's looking for his wife. He's looking for who God told him to marry. He's looking to reinstill the covenant that God told him to establish. And he's dragging that barley around and the 15 shekels of silver. And he said, I'm ready. Her, that's her right there. That's my wife. What's her price? And he brought forth the 10 bushels of barley. The 10 bushels of barley, by the way. 10 bushels of barley equals 480 pounds. 96 five-pound burlap bags. These are five-pound burlap bags for coffee, and that's 96 of them. This doesn't even equate to the amount of barley he dragged through the city to try to pay to get his wife out of slavery, out of pain, out of brokenness. He wanted to bring her back. The Bible says that they actually took the barley and the 15 shekels and all the barley that he brought back was actually equivalent to another 15 shekels of silver. Count that with me, church. 15 from the original and 15. 15 from the barley. That's 30 pieces of silver. 
30 pieces of silver Gomer got out of accusations, trial, and death. And here's where the parallel comes in with Jesus pursuing us. Here it is. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that everyone who believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Jesus was arrested on 30 pieces of silver and betrayed by a friend. God asked Hosea to take Gomer out of slavery and out of death and rescue her. And Jesus, for 30 pieces of silver, walked into death and pain so that we can be free. Jesus is seen in the life of Hosea. We become the Gomer. We are the Gomer. Attracted by other things in the world or putting our focus on other things when God says, no, I'm right here. And it could be as simple as, hey, I'm just going to focus over here and, and try this thing out real quick. You know, the first E. I'll just focus over there a little bit and, and that'll be okay. But I always have God right here. See, the return, the return means we were already turned and looking at God. The return is that we got to turn back again. We, we got to stop looking at stuff that does not give us life. We want compassion. We want empathy. We want the greatest love story. You are part of the greatest love story there ever is. That love story is a relationship with Jesus. To return is to return to our lover. It's to return to God and say, I need you. I need to know you. I need to be in your presence. And let me tell you, if you've been doing that during this whole quarantine time, seeking after God, and the next 21 days going after God, and you're saying to yourself, you know what? I'm not feeling anything. Remember what Hosea said to Gomer. Listen, you're going to be in the house. You're going to be in my presence. You're going to be over here. We're not going to, you might not feel like a relationship because we're not going to consummate anything. But I need you in the house. I need you in my presence. I need you home. I need you here. Because then that way we can begin to have a relationship and the things that we're attracting you and you're addicted to begin to fall away and fall away. It's, you know, the same five things, the same five things that we, uh, you know, can draw us away from God are the five things that bring us right into the throne room of God. I want to show you that. Return, and we can have worship come up. Return and encounter who God is. In the next 21 days, let's return and encounter who God is. It might be as simple as Maybe it's a social phone thing that needs to be thrown away. That's what I'm doing. I'm like, listen, I don't want him looking for me in the middle of the streets. I don't want him knocking on doors for me. I want to turn around because he's right there, always going after us. I want to just be able to turn around and say, here I am. Here I am. Return and enjoy discovering who he is through his word. Maybe reading scripture and saying, I want to know who you really are. I want to know what you're about. 
my wife, when we got married, she went up to my mom and she said, hey, I wanna, I wanna learn how to cook Josh's favorite meals so that he doesn't miss it, like, so I can, I can do it. And my mom, after a couple years, she was like, man, you're really nailing this stuff. You're so good. Even my dad was like, these are better than yours, mom. Which my mom didn't like too much. But that's what we discovered. That's how we build a relationship. Return and expedite our relationship by putting him first and making him the relationship priority. Return and express to him how much you love him by how you worship and pursue him. But how do you pursue him? Listen, if you feel like it's becoming rote and you feel like it's kind of becoming almost like an intense plan, nine o'clock, pray, 9.05, read the Bible, then mix it up. Because we don't really have relationships like that, do we? We kind of talk, walk around, connect with God, ask him to expand what relationship looks like to you. Return and experience Jesus deeper and wider than you ever thought you could know him. I wanna go deeper. I wanna go wider. I wanna know everything about you. I wanna understand when I read scripture, I wanna be like, oh yeah, he has spoken that to me already. This is just confirmation instead of firsthand knowledge. At that point, we need to return. I wanna do something, I ended a little bit early here because I wanted us to do something before we move into 21 days of fasting and prayer. I want us to take a few moments and just pray. Individually where you're at, or we up here we have some stickers that are six feet apart and social distance and all that type of stuff. If you feel like, hey, I wanna make a stand and I kinda wanna make a, make a, a momentum moment like Hosea did with Gomer, and I wanna come up to the front and find a spot and just pray and solidify that the beginning of this prayer and fasting, I want God, I wanna go after him, I wanna cut off and sever the affairs that are drawing me away from him, and I wanna actually seek after his face. If that's something you wanna do, you're more than welcome to do that, keep your mask on, social distance, all that good stuff. But the altars are open. But this is what I want you to picture. I want you to picture, instead of the barley, Jesus carrying his cross to Golgotha, saying, I'm doing it for you. I'm doing it for you. I'm doing it for you. And if you feel at this moment that that sounds like guilt, I want that to be washed away. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. It doesn't matter what sin you've done. It doesn't matter how far deep you're in. It doesn't matter how you're feeling or what's going on. I care about those things, but that doesn't matter to this. He just says, I bought you. I want you. I need you. I desire you. I have paid for you. He paid for you already. And if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, whether online or here in this room, there's nothing you have to pay on your part other than saying, I accept what you've already paid for. I accept you, God. I accept you, Jesus. And begin this process of a relationship. But I think we'd be remiss to move so quickly through this service and go on with the rest of our planning for the week if we don't carve out time this morning to say, I'll seek you that I'm gonna give you my life and I choose to express, encounter, expedite my relationship with you right now. I believe there's a sweet spirit. God wants to do something here this morning. 
And if that's you sitting in your seat or finding a spot up here in the front, no one's going to bother you. But let's make this a sacred moment of returning into our covenant with God and saying, it's you and me. It's you and me. Come on, let's stand up. Lord Jesus, we take this moment right now, the next few minutes, we ended a little early, the next few minutes, and if you're home right now, you can do this wherever you're at. Hit that carpet real quick. Just sit right there on that carpet or sit on the edge of your bed. For us in here, if you want to find a spot, you're more than welcome to up front. Lord God, speak to our hearts right now. Touch our hearts as we sing this song, Lord God. Allow us, hear me church, allow us to receive your love. I'm gonna say that again, because it's hard to receive sometimes. Lord God, this morning, we choose to receive your love. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Come on, let's sing this together. A few moments, a few moments here. Now my shame is gone. I stand amazed in your love undeniable. Your grace goes on and on, and I will see of your goodness forevermore. And now my shame is gone. I stand amazed. And your love undeniable. Let him love you. Your grace goes on and on, and I will sing of your goodness forevermore. Our shame is gone, and now my shame is gone. I stand amazed in your love. goes on and on and I will sing of your goodness forevermore worthy is your name Jesus you deserve the praise worthy is your name let him know when that sacrifice was worth worthy is your name
Father, whatever I felt this season, Lord God, tired and broken, Lord Jesus, devastated, Lord Jesus, my own thoughts, my own processes, Lord God, things are going on around me, Lord Jesus. You push through the crowd, Lord Jesus. You reached through and you rescued me. You've touched me, Lord God. You've touched my heart. You love us, Lord Jesus. You love us. You truly do, Lord God. You bring us close to you, Lord Jesus. You put a robe around us, Lord God. You've called us your child. You called us yours, Lord Jesus. I pray, Father, for our church, Lord God, that they will understand the lavished love presence of God like never before this year, that they would be drawn into deeper things, deeper waters, Lord God. Father, that they will question, Lord God, your love for them, Lord Jesus. Everything that the world, Lord God, came out counterfeit, you will come out truth, Lord Jesus. For you called them, Lord God. You have a purpose and a plan for their life. You have a destiny. They are not written off, Lord Jesus. It's just the beginning. It's just the beginning. The things that God will do for you. Oh, Lord Jesus, the Lord says, don't look to your finances for the hope because he holds his, your finances. Don't look for your situations of work or relationships. He will guide your steps into those relationships. The Lord says, give me this year. Give me this year and look at what I can do with it. Look at what I can create. Look what I can establish. Give me this year. Give me this year. Lord God, we worship you, Lord God. Come on, church. Let's declare his love for us. Let's say it. Let's sing it out. Let's declare it in your own words or during worship. Come on. Let's do it together. Thank you, Lord Jesus.